0: Brian's setup is basically the before on the before and after podcasting setup you need to do. There's like not one piece of art on the wall.
1: He's a minimalist. Are we what are we doing? We're doing the cancellation episode. Is that what no no, we're
0: doing like 2024
2: storylines. Oh. Yeah. that's why we prepared. Yeah. That's why we wrote a whole goddamn document. Wasn't that the point of the preparation? This is why I was against the preparation.
1: I
0: did homework for the first time in 30 years.
1: No, it's it's I, I I did appreciate the preparation.
0: It's your Christmas present we yeah.
1: prepared.
2: I just want to start with a little quick review, party review, because I did.
1: I love this. I think this is a great ad. I've been wanting to add this for a long time. Thank God bless I, you. I
2: don't go to a lot of parties, and I was way past my bedtime, as Jason Wagenheim said. He was able to get me into the Nylon House party. I think I saw the future of media right there. It was throbbing party of like thousands of people. On the beach in South Beach. And there were many brand activations too, which I found very interesting because there was a lot of people there. I would not go to a party and go to an elf cosmetics stand, but a lot,
0: a lot of people did. So Mm. kudos to Bustle.
1: Nice one, Brian. Bustle. Were you
0: just excited about the commercial experience? I love the monetization. Did did any product resonate with you? The tequila. Tequila, to it.
1: no. But did you have a good time? What did you wear, Brian? What did you wear? I wore a did a
2: black baby clothes, a black sweatshirt with. I think you like commented. I don't know. It's got this kind of mirror thing on it. My wife oh, said nice. it. Oh yeah, I liked that My one. wife said it looks yeah. looked perfectly acceptable. And I ran into Brian. He didn't and he didn't make a negative comment. On it. He said this is a great party, right?
1: That's all I said to me. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't question how you got in. I have
2: to follow up because I complained immediately because they had this, it's like intense security, like club security. And I don't go to eleven or anything like so. I'm turning 51 next week. I do not like to be yelled at by people. I don't like to be yelled at. Just because I'm going to some party on the beach, like big deal. I don't want to be yelled at.
1: There was too much yelling. What are you what are you saying? Who yelled at you? The security no guard.
2: Like when you're trying to get in, you know, they're, they're like, back up, back up, back up. And I'm like. Dude, I'm here for the Elf Cosmetics brand activation, <laughs> sir.
1: <laughs> Excuse me, I'm 51 yeah. and I don't like to be yelled Jesus at. Jesus
2: Christ! But one of the greats—I don't know who—I told Jason afterwards. Whoever sold Hilton on an activation, they had like a bed activation there. That's amazing. I, I now that I'm a salesperson, I I, I respect that, that you're able to get the Hilton across as a client for a giant party on the beach. So. Kudos to whoever sold Hilton. All right, so let's talk storylines of 2024. Should we get into this? I want to start with a news segment. I want to trial this ahead of next
1: year. Do you want to go? Do it. Hit the news, Brian.
2: Top of the news. This came out yesterday. Epic won an Epic legal case. Epic, which is the publisher of the Fortnite and other games. Alex can translate what any of this means for me. A jury ruled for Epic in its case against Google for being in a legal monopoly with its app store. Now, Epic had earlier lost a case against Apple. So this was a surprise to those of us who don't follow this very closely. And for me, what was very interesting in this is that in some ways, Google seems more at risk here because it has an open model. So it needs to stifle, stifle competition like behind closed doors versus like Apple stifling competition by how it designs its system. Alex, break this down. Am I somewhat in the neighborhood here?
1: Yeah, you are. I think Okay, so let's just let's just break these news items up into bullets. Let's just make them a little bit more bang bang.
0: Okay, let me let me just take a step back. Epic versus Google and Apple. It's basically a very similar case. Epic does Fortnite they got annoyed about the fact that they couldn't sell those microtransactions, they couldn't affect them on the game without paying massive taxes, 30%. And they went after Google and Apple. The way they did it at first is actually they actually found some roundabout way, put something up on a on a website or whatever, and and linked from the app to their own payment system. And and that's the the main crux of it is that they don't think that once it's in the app, they should be giving Apple or Google, 30% or any percentage uh, on transactions that happen within their software. They were immediately banned by those two platforms after they did that, and then they they went on and sued. The Apple case was not as successful, but they keep saying they they lost, but they didn't entirely lose. They didn't win the fact that Apple allowed for different language on the link. So the thing that maybe some folks don't know is that if you want to ask someone to pay for a subscription on an app that runs on an iPhone, you're not allowed to say, hey guys, if you go to our website, it's going to be cheaper. Apple stops you from using that language. So you you have to be very non-specific, non-committal, which means that most people will never click that and not understand why the single button pressed within DOS is any worse than than going to the website. So they did win that, which means that now app developers have a lot more opportunities to funnel customers into a different payment system. But it's still not completely open. The Google one, we don't really know what Google's going to be asked to do, and there's going to probably be a... There's
1: uh, going to be an appeal.
0: But basically, you, could, appeal, you, but you yes.
1: could get cur- credentialed and do your transaction through the web, bring your credentials to an app. The app company would not, or the gaming company, whatever it is, wouldn't have to pay the 30% toll consumers likely would benefit as would the the creators of apps in the ecosystem, Mm. correct? Yeah,
0: and, and to understand company Epic, it's run by Tim Sweeney, who's really outspoken. And they never went out for damages. They just went out to try to get these companies to change the way they conduct business. And in Google's case... It was pretty blatant that they were doing a back a lot of backhanded deals because they're open and because they, the platform is on multiple phones, the wheeling and dealing is a lot is a lot, I would say, grungier than Apple yeah. just saying nope, that's the way we do it. Yeah, that's and why internal that tech emails out. is like my one of my favorite sites oh, yeah. around. They're great. And also when you Google, you're kind of like used to winning. And turns out, I mean, even with search, Google is doing all these backroom deals. I think this is really important for the rest of the ecosystem as companies like Netflix are trying to go into things like gaming, as different companies are trying to build environments where people can engage in like software commerce on their platforms. This could be a big mm-hmm. a big shift. And I expect the EU is locked and loaded oh, with, yeah. with their come own on, regulation. Come movement.
2: on, that's what the yeah. EU does best. Yeah, I, I'm interested because these companies have proven like almost like Teflon to like traditional antitrust. I'm not a lawyer, but you know, whatever, I do two podcasts. And so it's really difficult to prove the dominant positions and how those are utilized and how there's actual harm that are being created in these markets. And it's not whatever, monospony or something like that. Anyway, they have monopolies and they exert those monopolies in different ways. And Google's been fighting off Yelp for like a generation at this point. I mean, they're not, it's not exactly the same, but this is, goes to the heart of a lot of the business models that for those who operate in markets that are dominated by Google, that they've been complaining about, at least to me, for a generation. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it could just be one jury, but there's a ton of these cases that are going to be coming in various guises.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the, the writings on the wall, I think it was a unanimous decision that happened in four hours because I think that most people, if they actually hear how this works, kind of find it weird. That being said, I do. Let's think that
1: let's get that's to a the huge. heart. Let's get to the heart of where the ag- aggressive practices of platforms really affect uh, an ecosystem, and stop messing around with superficial antitrust bullshit. Which l- let's let Adobe buy Figma, and let's let uh, yeah. Meta buy that stupid Activity app, and l- let's just not worry about those little things and let's focus on opening up platforms for lots of constituents.
0: Yeah, yeah. I agree with I that. I mean that's easy to say, but I think that right now those are definitely speed bumps, but the regulators don't have a ton of tools to do anything else but that, right? I, I get why they're going down that path. Like what yeah. else can they but do? Then it's you, not like but they then you but then you
2: see what what happens is you have Microsoft doing the open AI deal because they can't you know they just find workarounds to it and the the impact is pretty much the same. And I think that's why the EU is wants to look at the The Microsoft OpenAI deal, because there's no way if if Microsoft wanted to buy OpenAI, it never would have gotten through. No big M and A is going to get through, at least with this administration. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next topic. Dun dun. We need like a (laughs) Troy. You had shared this thing about it's less a, a a news item, but it's really I guess it's a conceptual news item in that the New York Times looked around and was like, oh, cable's a total wasteland. All these cable networks are just uh, a wasteland of reruns, and they have no reason to really exist. And they're caught between putting programming on streaming and the rise of fast channels. To me, does away with the need of a USA or Oxygen. I read I read about Oxygen in that article, and I was like, oh my god, I haven't thought about Oxygen since Jerry Laybourne was was running it. And I think this is going to be an interesting one about what direction cable ends up going, particularly with this. These networks that to me are like the definition of of middling.
1: Well, cable looks like AOL did in the aughts, right? It's bad. And um, I just feel bad for old people that just sit there and it's like eating at a cheap buffet. It's all you can eat and you're watching like at. Like a
2: Ponderosa? It's like the golden corral of media. What's your favorite buffet? Do you have a favorite buffet?
1: I don't know. No, I don't. The answer is Bob's big boy. Oh, you know what I like? You know that one in London, Autolangi? That one's good. Of course you of really course go to like a European. Uh, yeah,
2: of course. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> no Ponderosa on your
1: watch. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, is great. They also have a good cookbook. <laughs> but anyway, I, yeah, I feel bad for my in-laws that haven't figured out how to get the Roku stick or Netflix. And now they're just like, I guess we'll just die watching commercials and reruns. Yeah. It's sad. I got really upset about this because I, I said to my wife, I'm like, you got to get your brother to go over there and like refactor that whole entertainment system.
2: So do you know what the successor to this is? I, I came across this with uh, talking with, with a company. It, they're calling it like OOHCTV, which is so great. It's like we're out of home and connected TV, have a baby. And so it's it's not technically just video ads, there's actual programming, but you just happen to be in a nail salon or in the back of an Uber or in a Simon Mall's or something and it's plausible enough. It's plausible enough to be in-stream programming because there's this big fight going on over the technical definitions of what is in-streaming because believe it or not in digital media sometimes people cut corners. I know this is shocking news, right? And they'll do things like put video in display ad and claim that it's the streaming inventory. I this I know Gambling in Casablanca, this would never happen. But the the next frontier is getting your video programming in the nail salon. And this, John Steinberg was early to this with Cheddar. So (laughs) the other news point that came out is that
1: T- Remember when he brought his his Duncan cup onto the on air every day oh, yeah. just to get them as a sponsor?
2: So John Steinberg was He's an animal. Johnson an animal. <laughs> He's uh, uh, Troy means that complimentary. <laughs> John is a longtime digital media executive. Anyway, right. he was the number two at BuzzFeed, and John got one thing right there for sure, and it was we should sell to Disney for a half billion dollars. BuzzFeed went a different direction. It's worth a 10th of that now. He did not make that mistake with Cheddar. He sold it in 2019 at the top to Altice for $200 million. And now Altice is shopping around Cheddar and saying, take it, we'll just take the upside. We'll take an earnout. no money up front. You take Cheddar off our hands. A Couple ways to sort of look at this to me, it's like one, John is an animal, amazing job selling it. The other one that I wonder is why in the world did that transaction ever take place? I never, maybe I don't consider myself particularly savvy, but I didn't know anyone who, most people respected John's hustle, but like that thought cheddar was a real
1: thing. Hmm. Did you? Do you want comments? I mean, I admired it because John was in some ways the godfather or grandfather of fast channels, right? John was doing fast before they were fast. And fast channels are just packaged a couple hundred hours of content against, you know, free in this kind of post-cable ecosystem where you can watch reruns of National Geographic programming or whatever it is, super niche, there's 250 of them. And so I think the difference, you know, John's insight was cable in some ways is a victim of its overfunding and that you could build a live news offering Much, much, much cheaper, and if you did that, you could start to elbow your way into distribution relationships, either at the gas station or on the cable bundle. And I thought that was cool. I don't think the product was particularly good, but that wasn't the idea. I think that what
0: was the product for somebody who's (laughs) it
1: was an is it was like an MSNBC replay or like 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 a sort of CNBC. Like the only flaw was the product sucked. Okay. Yeah, so but no,
0: it, he he put distribution first. Uh, the only time sense. I ever saw like Cheddar was on Twitter, so it was it like.
2: Well, originally it, like, it was going to live on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff, but there's no
0: money in that. And he
2: quickly realized that there's no money, and so. all
0: right so it was meant to be like an MSN CNBC replacement. It was business
1: news, cheap and cheerful, young announcers, and then John scrambled to find any nook and cranny that he could jam it into. And the problem was that it was cable without the affiliate fees. Yeah. So, so you ha- you didn't really have distribution, so you kind of had to say, yeah, we're now in thousands of outlets, even though no one watches it, and then really fight to get sponsors against that proposition.
2: I don't know if no one watches it.
1: A lot of people heard it
2: because... I one of my claims to fame. Actually, it's my only claim to fame was who getting, watches it.
1: What, what do you mean? Was, no one it doesn't fit YouTube. Shettaker. It doesn't fit TikTok. Well,
2: so it's on gas pumps nationwide. And I helped make that happen because he was cutting so many distribution deals. And and the nail salon deal put me over the edge. I, I and I tweeted I was like, How long before Cheddar is on gas pumps? And he replied, he said, that's a great idea. And the CEO of gas gas station TV, Sean McCaffrey replied was like, let's make it happen. And it happened. And there's entire subreddits devoted to people complaining about having Cheddar blasted at like 11
0: when they're trying to fill up. So another cards. reason for people not to like you then, Brian. Well done. <laughs> Whatever. We all have a role to play. You made refueling a misery. No, but
1: apparently... But so distribution was a problem. It didn't meet the needs of next generation who are getting their news on TikTok. It didn't... Mm-hmm. Compete with CNBC is a good product, extremely well funded, very talented hosts. And so it didn't really kind of compete anywhere. It was just kind of opportunistic. And John's genius was selling it to a kind of dumb local television company, Altice USA, right? That saw the promise of owning a next gen cable channel. But
2: John is such a hustler. He sold the thing for $200 million and he was like, the weatherman on a, a Long Island local news program from like, like the weekend weather forecaster. Do you remember this? It was like amazing. The guy has such, he's got a high motor. And now he's running Future, which is in a world of hurt after. So he's also a glutton for punishment. So kudos to you, John. Go,
1: John. I saw him in London about six months ago. Did you? Good How's assume. he doing? Yeah. Their results were I mean, terrible. He's doing well.
2: Advertising down 25%. <sighs>
0: If you if you sold a company for $200 million, yeah, would, would you jump back would you jump back into media? No, I'd I'd be at the nylon house. There are two types of people that I bump into in media. It's either overly optimistic people that are still deeply passionate about it, or people who feel like they can't do anything else, you know. <laughs> <So they're> like, <laughs> which you bucket know? am I? I know which bucket am I say. <laughs> <laughs> I you know, just wonder. I don't know. Are you both? Wh- wh- <laughs> what bucket do you Whatever. put yourself? Right?
1: That's in the bonus
0: episode. <laughs> I just I would like to tell all our listeners that I appreciate them all.
1: Okay, so if you appreciated them all, we would move through these news items a little more quickly.
0: Yeah, but well, you you'd be the ones
2: talking. So final one is about the awkwardness of AI's awkward phase. I would say, and look, we've discussed before what went on at Sports Illustrated with Advan and now the entire management team has been cleaned out. Now, I know these things happen and sometimes there's cover that, 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 that is conveniently located for changes that we're probably going to make anyway. But I think there's more scrutiny than ever on how media is going to use AI tools in order to create content, how that's disclosed within the content, whether, whether people care or not and no matter what there is going to be so many errors that are going to be made and we saw it at geo media semaphore had a really good piece about investor.com basically just taking people's articles and trying to throw it <laughs> throw it into chat gpt and and get away with ripping off people's content but i think that's the tip of the iceberg if i were to say a 2024 storyline it's going to be a lot a lot of ham-handed uses of ai tools in order to create very cheap, semi-synthetic content. I don't know. What's your what's your forecast, Troy?
1: You know, I think that we'll go through all of this and we'll start focusing on what matters eventually, which is did the content meet the needs of the consumer and was it with some type of integrity irrespective of how it was created? This one, you know, again, I disclosed last time that I know all the people in here and they're good, well-meaning people, but the I think that the media, for the most part, we have a very kind of overzealous futurism trying to, to be first with all the headlines around, oh my God, this media company used AI in a dastardly way. I think that they should maybe make sure they examine the other brands within their corporate structure to make sure they're not using AI in nefarious ways. But. Yeah.
2: Well, they had to attach. They had to attach a disclaimer that Advan yeah. also does work.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so some Advan. context here. I mean, I think the headline's wrong. I think impatient billionaire elbows his way into getting a media network, media company on the cheap. Maybe has the desire over time to take Sports Illustrated and rebrand his cheap sports network with that name, and gets in and wipes out the management team. And the AI story happens to be a convenient cover for complete house cleaning and as a way to maybe not have to pay people out. Who knows? We'll see how it works out. But the, you know, just a little context for folks. So lots of pressure in media. We all understand that everybody's scrambling to find a way to pay for folks and not have to lay people off. You hire a company to help you do affiliate that company is this is advan that i'm speaking of makes potentially makes bad decisions and when you realize it's happened it's become a major news story and you need to deal with it now i could tell you that it's roughly equivalent to a media company hiring a shitty partner like maybe an ad network that runs afoul of the rules and puts ads in places that you know and, and runs crappy gambling ads or whatever And it just doesn't seem to me to be grounds for firing an entire executive team. And so I just think there's more to the story, right? But it certainly, we are, if the bigger story is that we're going through that, like you said, awkward phase in trying to figure out how automation is going to augment humans. To create content, that story is going to go on all all through 24. And, and it's inevitable that it gets used in some shape or form. It's just who's going to make sure they they prioritize the most important thing, which is did the technology help us make better content faster, smarter, more economically that meets the needs of a of a reader? Yeah. Period.
2: And I think there's there's also we used to do this this story type of the the new most important person in the newsroom. And it's gonna be like the AIs are. Inevitably, New York Times just brought in Zach Seward, who, who was running courts for a long time, and in order to sort out how they approach using these AI tools. Alex, if you're close to these. How would you recommend that publishers think about this? Because ultimately, we always hear about trust in media and declining trust. And I think the way... I agree with Troy that modern digital publishing is very complicated and you've got like complicated supply chains and you have partners who do a lot for you and ultimately there's going to be screw-ups and stuff like this. But I think it's a little bit risky for publishers that are already having a bit of a deficit in trust to be turning over what should be their core
0: competency, which is making content to robots. I think having been the technologist in the room many times, there's always a moment where you get a new capability or a new tool and you sit down and you show it to executive or leadership or product manager and you pray that they're not going to have bad judgment and that they're not going to fall in love with it and do stupid shit with it. And it can be anything. At some point it was the lens flare in Photoshop that creative directors started saying, okay, just plaster that everywhere or JavaScript in websites or whatever. And I think it people are are inherently fall in love with these things. It's way too tasty to not use. And at the scale of AI and the power it has and the capabilities it has, it's really powerful at exposing people's bad judgment. Hey guys, you can do everything. All right. Well, without much context or like intellectual thought processes or an understanding of the technology or what people want i can see an outcome where this makes us money and therefore i'm going to make a bunch of bad decisions and we're going to see so many of those it's just that technology is just too powerful just too easy to implement for well-meaning executives to not make the worst decisions uh, i think sometimes we're saved by the fact that things are hard to make things that are easy to do are going to just create a bunch of these decisions so To me, this will do a really good job at exposing people who make bad decisions. And I'm not—I have no idea of what happened, and I'm sure that there was like some cover. Stupid, stupid
1: executives. You found a friend in premium economy, Brian.
0: Well, it's not—it's not. I'm not saying all executives are stupid. That restraint of when and when not to use technology is a sign of of good decision making and good judgment, right? And I think that sometimes. A lot of executives are given blinders by the fact that the company can just not do that. But imagine overnight if you invent teleportation, right? How much stupid shit will come from people who don't have the imagination to create a better world or a better product from it. And I think AI is this thing. It is so powerful.
1: Sorry, can you elaborate? What would be bad decisions with teleportation?
0: Well, just teleport the hamburger straight into my mouth.
1: That's the way. (laughs) That's the way
0: we're going to do it. We're going to just sell more hamburgers. That's
1: what you would do if I gave you teleportation? Troy, Troy, the amount of...
0: It happened with crypto, now it's happening with AI. The amount of people... Love crypto. It's who back. are sitting on brands which might or might not be successful, and call me for advice on inherently bad ideas that will lead them into terrible
1: situations. Hey, hey Alex, I would I would teleport over to your house and have tea with you right now. Well,
0: um, look, I'm so, I know I know that they're your your friends. I'm not judging them, and I'm not saying this specific situation happened like this. But I think we will see.
1: So AI should come with a warning label.
0: No. It's like you're giving this really powerful tool to people who are not qualified to no, make these I, decisions. I think I understand
2: what, what Alex is saying. This is my translation of what Alex is saying. Is This is a new tool that has so many different possible use cases. And I think the temptation is to try to jam it into whatever playbook you used to run. right? So, If you're Jim Spanfeller and you've got a playbook you've been running for, for a generation now, AI is just a new tool to run the same playbook Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe it requires a different playbook. I think it's a normal human thing to go anytime something new is being like, how can I adopt this to what I've done that has worked for me for 20 years? I think that's normal, isn't it?
1: Yeah. No, I think the point is fine. The point is fine. But you don't prevent me from, I just want to know where I should teleport.
0: Well, I mean, I don't. It 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 doesn't matter what the technology is. If you put power in the hands of people who have a lack of judgment and imagination, you end up somewhere bad. Doesn't matter. I would teleport back to New York. I have a middle seat tonight on my flight. I know. I hate that they
2: gave the bullshit. I get the bullshit like premium economy upgrade that puts me into a middle seat. What? No, that's not an upgrade. That's, That's an insult. That's terrible. Alex, what are we going to be talking about? Let's talk about the storyline of AI. You you had this. uh,
1: Are we done with the our new new news segment? Yeah, yeah.
0: we're going to get into a couple of uh, storylines. This is a work in progress. We'll remind people at the end of the episode, but we're going to have to revisit our 2023 predictions, which we did. I got one right. I said Google was going to have a really rough year.
2: That's true. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a good idea. We should do that, and also we should get a jingle for the new news segment. If possible,
2: all right. Let's let's get into these storylines. One, Alex, you had said that just because it follows on this is that AI gets specialized, and you know this this seems like such a, a fast changing technology that the stuff that normals are talking about is going to be already like behind. So, if, if one wants to be ahead on all of these changes, what do you think they should be keeping their eyes on?
0: with ai we're we've been in the stage of the technology where there is a, a very generalized set of tools that we're all using and looking at and we're kind of all using in very similar ways most of us at least you know it's a lot of generative stuff generating images and text and then getting access to information but what we're starting to see now and and, and a lot of the startup and a lot of the vc uh, or a lot of the activity that we're that we're seeing has gone into the things that we can kind of expect, you know, like stuff that generates images, stuff that generates text, stuff that edits video, etc. Because these are, as you're looking at the tool, these are the first ideas that come to mind and, and probably the easiest one to execute on. The things that are coming are concepts that we couldn't predict. You know, the same way nobody predicted that maps would lead to Uber or Airbnb. We're going to see AI. Core AI tools that were built that are we're not just slapping AI on on functions and features that we have today, but we're building new tools that okay, that weren't possible without. Can it you
1: give me? Can you give me an example? Yeah, I gonna, well, I, I wish I, I
0: could that. because then I could I would raise a hundred <laughs> million dollars. But I I would say
1: that you can't say that without an example.
0: But, but I would say that imagine specialized tools for planning travel, right? A specialized tool just for planning, booking, managing your travel. Not an AI search on, on top of TripId or Expedia, but a specialized tool to plan manage your travel in a much more meaningful way than something that ChatGPT would come out. That's a very simple idea, and I'm sure that's a good one. I agree Thirty companies working on that. I think that what we should be looking at is the only thing you cannot win the interface, or or it's going to be very hard to win the interface unless you own the data. Because uh, the interface is going to be something that's going to be very easily to add as a feature to any of the data brokers like Google Search or the people who own the operating system. The people who give you access to that data will be able to, to build these things as features into their software if the data is available publicly. So everything, everything will come down to owning very specific data or doing something really magical with that data that allows you to output things that nobody else can. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's going to be a really interesting time for everyone. But if you're letting AI models just get through your stuff and digest it, you're just digging a hole for yourself right now, I think. Unless I, I don't I don't see that the transaction of getting traffic for giving them data is no longer tenable. Yeah.
2: So what I wonder is is what is the significance of the weight shifting to open source models versus centralized, because I guess when I was originally thinking about it, it was like, okay, they're going to be these massive AI brains that everyone's going to be plugging in, be plugins of.
0: Yeah, I mean, and the the compute is still a moat, right? So having a lot of machines and data centers and stuff like that is still a moat, and that still will cost a fair amount of money for a long time. The open source activity just shows us that the generalized AI tools are going to be entirely commoditized. It's just going to be some things that computers do, right? Computers are just going to function in a way where you ask them something and they come back with something and they're going to be multimodal. They're going to be able to look at photos and documents and they're going to be able to regurgitate that. So the value of ChatGPT as a software or that co-pilot in Bing or whatever, that's going to be completely commoditized. It's going to exist everywhere. And so People who win here are probably people who win the interface, which is you know, Apple and Google who own the phone. I, I have a, a hypothesis that Apple just added this action button on the right side of their phone, not because they want you to take photos quickly, because that's might be the AI button that you press that just does AI shit when you press it. So they're gonna they're gonna win.
1: <laughs> do that do that AI shit again.
0: Yeah, do that AI <laughs> shit. But the rest of it is going to be commoditized. So what do you do with a commoditized AI? where you look at your data set and you look at what you have and you look at what's a moat. In my case, the way I'm building a defensible moat is I'm moving into a business there is video games, which is still incredibly hard to do that AI can accelerate but cannot magically replace this concept of like narrative and game making and putting all these pieces together. It might one day, but it doesn't do that yet. If I was sitting on any type of commercial data that nobody else had, that I would be very excited about what I can do. If I was a website that was generating articles to generate search engine traffic, then I'd just shut it down and
2: do something. No, else. try to get paid. Try to get paid for those LLMs. you are, are gonna cut checks,
0: right? So yeah, I mean, get as much as you caveat, can. right? Caveat, Some court cases and trademark law might completely change the game if there is a. a, a, yeah. a uh, there's a there's know, a massive uh, flaw
2: to all of the uh, to a lot of these technology business models. It's, it's like brittle. we actually have to pay for the stuff
0: <laughs> that that our business doesn't work as well. Go figure. <laughs> wow. But you know, there's IP law experts that say that actually this doesn't qualify as copyright infringement. Oh,
2: you can if you pay a lawyer enough, you will find the law says
0: whatever the hell you want it to say and trust me it's they good. have a lot of money they'll we'll they'll, they'll have their arguments All i'm saying is that it's 50-50 there's no, yeah, no you know there's a there's a potential for these. but i wouldn't i wouldn't bet on it considering the people uh, with the biggest checks are on yeah. certain Yeah it'll stage.
2: be interesting to see which ai products take off right because i think that's really important because look there's a point where the hype gets to people saying what the hell is all of this this is just all nonsense right because outside of chat gpt I don't know of any breakout products that people are like, oh, my God, AI. Like I know in early adopter cycles, but at some point it has to get into the mainstream of the prototypical, you know, Thanksgiving, I guess, Christmas dinner tables sort of thing. I I saw Apple has a new journaling app out that uses AI to suggest what people write in their journal. I found this fairly hilarious that people need, need a prompt to know what ri- to write in their diary. But
0: maybe this is... maybe I tried using that. It's a, it's an interesting product. But <laughs> just
2: open a notes
0: app and just write what's on your mind. You don't need AI. Yeah. But that's me. Also, it's an odd, very specific thing for Apple to get into. Look, I, where is AI being used? I mean, I think it's like the we have an analog. It was the internet. And at first, the internet was used for stuff that we thought, the internet would be good at like it's a list of websites or it's just sending an email to each other but over time like we're not even thinking about how the internet is connected to computing it's just a thing that computing does and ai will be the same thing a thing that all computing does there won't be a thing that doesn't have the ability to have some sort of ai in the background no way it's already started like our photos are being translated our emails are gonna do that. We're we're not going to use anything that doesn't go through some sort of AI filter. My browser, when I download files, renames them and categorizes them using an AI so that the file names are not all messy.
1: That's hot. It's everywhere. Why don't I have that? Where do you get that? That's cool. Yeah. I
0: think it's the Arc browser. It's I think it was a good product recommendation.
1: All right. So there we go. News theme. What was that? That's a 24 theme, Brian?
2: Yeah, that was a twenty-four theme. So let's do one more actually, because I got a two p.m. meeting. <laughs> let's go through. Let me see. One one from you, Troy. You would want to point that you, you you said that the new platform is more hostile than the last platform. Explain that.
1: Did I put that in there? I think so. Oh, okay. Well, let's do that then. I mean, this is a part of the the theme that we've been banging on about for a long time on this podcast, which is that as a media person, when media sort of became unbundled from the package, which, you know, in newspapers became articles, magazines were no longer issues and became articles fed through platforms, that the the value proposition was undermined and it was harder and harder to both differentiate your editorial effort and to, to make money off of it. All of that had to do with losing kind of distribution primacy. But the next one is, as Alex said, the interface becomes very different, and it's primarily a window and chat, and it takes fragmentation to the next level. It's just kind of easy to see the chapters, right? First, it was an issue to an article to some semantic structure that answers your question. and Clearly, that's not all media, and there's still things we'll read and point of view, and things like podcasts don't get aggregated in the same way, but let's just be extremely clear. The new platforms are AI-driven tools, many of which will be subscription-led like Perplexity or, or OpenAI. Alex turned me on to Perplexity, by the way and i've been been using it it brings together multiple models underneath of a, a query and publishers are you know fucked basically like in that environment you just lose half of your it just it, it's continued erosion and so they're going to try to fight back i talked to lots of publishers and you're already seeing it on the margin people whose search traffic is down and who are are, are just f- facing remember in most digital publishing revenue is linearly connected to the number of pages you serve. And so that's all being disaggregated. So I think publishers will fight back harder. We've seen a little bit of it, but I can't really, I mean, people are cheering on the Canadians right now because they've managed to extract a hundred million dollars annually, which seems like a that's Canadian dollars, 74 million American dollars. It seems like a paltry amount to, to dish out to the media ecosystem in Canada. But I can't really see a world where Google becomes this kind of benevolent central bank for content. But at the same time, I think the tension in this is that content has to come from somewhere. Even if we are, we do talk about broadly the the structural decline of digital media, Like, I still read a lot of professional media every day. I still read stuff from The Verge or from well certainly from major news outlets or from vertical publications that I you know value and they show up in lots of ways so we need people to make content we need a system that pays them but it's just getting harder and harder i don't think it's as simple as saying well it just it becomes like this boutique industry i think you're still going to need media brands and you're still going to need significant editorial organizations that support them but the interface to content and the aggregators of content are just getting more powerful. I wonder, Brian
0: and Troy, I mean, I hear of you both reading a lot of traditional media, reading through articles, and even on our little messaging group, you keep sharing articles to each other. I very <laughs> rarely read so, them. That's so cute. <laughs> but it is, it's it's it feels quaint. What do you mean you don't read the stuff I put in there? I mean, I get them digested. I mean, honestly, like how do you digest, how do you do that? Well, okay, let me give you a sense. An overview of my System. my media consumption, I, okay. and
2: then and then we'll have a vote about who who's the edge case, you or Troy and I.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. I don't know who the edge case is. In the morning, I'll either by the radio or the podcast, I'll, I'll get the news. The NPR is up first. It's like eight minutes, gives me the news. And then I might do the same thing for tech and, and a business update. Then if there's anything that I'm really interested in, I'll go into perplexity and I say, give me the updates on Epic versus Google. And then I might say, okay, dig into this feature or make me a bullet list of the key facts. And then I can tell you I am better educated about these things than... Ninety-five of the p- percent of the people that I talk to.
1: Would everybody. you say you're be- better than the average bear?
0: No, I mean I'm saying on on these topics, I am a heavy so, duty. Uh, more news than ninety-five percent. Those those ninety-five percent have read nothing. <laughs> the five percent have actually read paragraphs and stuff. No, 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 no. I, I'm making a, I'm making an important point yeah. here. I think that most people I bump into that also listen to the news or, or re- they might have heard of the Epic versus Google thing, but my. Fact count is higher because I just ask perplexity to just give me a bullet list without all the other bullshit. And I'm, yeah, and I'm only focusing on the news that I want. So it, it's a very generally like practical way of consuming news. And then I spend my deep reading time reading books, like either fiction or nonfiction, but they're books, you know, and they anything in the middle, I'm just like getting shot yeah. straight through the vein. I'm not like I paid for the New York Times subscription and it is painful to get my news like that. It's genuinely just like why, why are you, why are you saying so many words? But I could be in the minority, or it could be the future. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, it seems. That, I mean, look, the commoditized news content can be obviously delivered in a much more succinct way, and AI tools will be useful in that. I mean, look, the entire premise of Axios was basically that the New York Times articles really only needed to be. For the most part, 300 words or less, and it was a bunch of B material, which is all the throat clearing and to be sure and context stuff. So, so
0: what's what's non-news? What still exists?
2: What do you? Well, I mean, I think some people want to go like deeper into topics, and
0: but I do that better with perplexity than somebody than hoping that the person I'm reading gives me what i need does it make sense like i'm playing devil's advocate here a little no bit, i think it I'm makes sense i just, see which type of content I'm, I'm survives so, this.
2: i guess it makes sense for you I, I just we just don't know if you're a representative sample of people who don't aren't you <laughs> i guess that's that's just a bit you know we 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 don't know we, we don't know yet about whether cuz i think that's what troys getting at is we're not really sure that people even want all this stuff i mean Let's be real. I mean, Silicon Valley is premised on making the future and that means making stuff that nobody asked for,
0: right? Nobody's asked for it. And, and so we don't know if people want this shit at all. I think information brokers, especially if they're trading in information that is available out there, the written word is going to be so much better at just giving you a quick rundown of yeah. what's happening. or And it's not even only news, it's, it's anything, like any topic that you want, etc. You can get pretty deep into anything. And the rest of it, I feel like if I really care about the person's opinion... I will listen to them. or I'll watch. But
2: them. I don't know how much that I is. Just you. Them. You don't like. If you don't like to read, you don't like to read. I don't like. That's. I I read a ton. I read a oh, ton. Oh, but if you don't I, like to I, read I, news, then why would you all of a sudden want to read news? Then this is a great way. This this makes the market bigger, well, not Brian, smaller. Because I think right?
0: I, I mean I think in my career I've been pretty good at, at exhibiting behaviors that ended up becoming normalized, right? And I I can't see in the in the history of of the evolution of the user interface. It's always about like reducing the friction, getting things to you that you want. And I don't think people are going to be able to resist getting their information like that. And it's a word of warning.
1: Yeah, I have to just make a couple points here. First of all, I find, I find Alex's behavior and vision to be very compelling, actually. And I think it's real. I don't think that the interface makes it accessible to everybody, but I think that people just want a few bullets on something, and sometimes if they're really interested, they'll dig in. It's really interesting to me, Brian, that what he's saying is the format of media is broken, and that it is an Axios thing, obviously, but it's not giving him what he wants, so he's a tool user by nature, and he's very organized in how he likes to sort of set things up, so he's got a workaround, and the world will start to look more like his workaround. I just wonder in that world, how does it resolve for media brands like a Verge or a media brand like The Information? Because Alex has no time for those guys. And unless you're creating surface area through a, a relationship like that, it's either hard to justify a subscription or it's hard to justify, it's hard to find a place for advertising. And so what happens is that Alex's diet Perplexity is a, what do you call it? Something that sucks from the system. It's a parasite. Perplexity is a parasite app. Yeah. Right? Like it it surfs through all the stuff that people make and sucks all the value out of it without returning anything. And that can't go on indefinitely or the ecosystem completely breaks down and you start watching cable repeats.
0: Yeah. I mean, my question, as maybe a topic for next time, is that. If all those news and media companies pull their content away from things like perplexity, is there enough activity on the internet of like people posting stuff on social media's or blogs or whatever? That's to the give big me question, right? Context, right? Right. Like, that's the, the question.
1: But there's no reliable reporting. That's for sure, Alex. Like, who's pays for reporting? It's expensive.
0: Yeah. But you know, a lot of the time you get your reliable reporting via some sort of middleman. Like my wife will tell me about things that she's read from sources that she trusts. And a lot of the information that we consume is already like that. Did you hear this? Oh, I trust Troy on this topic. So
1: yes. Right, because I and read it if, from a reporter. Eh.
0: That's right. But if you read it from a reporter and you just post it somewhere once that this thing can access, I have Troy's context, right? I don't know. It's a leaky bucket. I don't know how media companies can protect themselves around that. Does that make sense? We just want to share shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a
2: great topic. Yeah, that's what we're going to discuss next week. <laughs>
1: Hey Brian, Alex and I shared a ride in a Waymo in San Francisco. How was it? It was cool. You could put your own music on. We were at a bar, Alex called the Waymo. It was not as fast as an Uber, it took 14 minutes. And it directs you to a place where it can safely pull over. And then you're like, wait, how does it know where I am? And like, how do I know when to get in? So there's a little light on the top that says get in. We got in, I gotta say it was clean, comfortable. They don't apparently they claim they don't record you, so Alex and I made out. I knew that was I was
0: gonna
2: bring that up. <laughs> I'm glad that you got went there first.
0: Well, you know, but it was San Francisco on a Thursday evening, so Oh, crazy times It was like quarter to eight. <laughs> well, as the car was coming down, there was actually a guy punching another guy's windshield.
1: <laughs> it's totally true. Telling him yeah. to
0: come come have some sort of sexual experience with him and lots of people started honking people getting out of that car and meanwhile this little automatic robot car just drives all around, <laughs> around that stuff and picks us up mm-hmm. you know i was i was anxious but it worked
2: out i had a great meeting in san francisco one time it was for a potential business transaction and it was with people it was a delegation from china and they were giving you know a welcoming address and there was a guy who was doing a strip tease behind him on the street, just like progressively taking off more clothing and and chugging a bottle of alcohol. And then the police came and were like wrestling him. And it was all happening in the background. It was amazing. Great place.
0: Love it.
1: Yeah, it was during the Folsom Street Fair. <laughs> Is, that, Is that what it's called? I love,
0: I love San Francisco.
1: Yeah, it's the best. I love it too.
0: We got to leave it there. All right.
1: Yeah, sorry. That's what do you mean? That's it? Yeah, this is yeah, it. Sales we,
2: we, we got we're gonna we're all gonna do like a fifty-seven minute episode. I
1: know. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. We're gonna do more twenty-four storylines yeah. in an up, yes. upcoming episode, yes. right? And do we want to touch on a Or you could drop off and, and Alex. <laughs> yeah, oh, and I could drop off, yeah. but I don't know if right? you're. I don't know if you. It's not all of. I don't know. It's we'll not keep, about we'll me.
0: Talking. All right, I'm gonna drop off. <laughs>
1: Who are you selling right now, Brian? Yeah, give us. I don't want to lose clients.
0: (laughs) No, I'm very excited. All right. (laughs) All right. Sounds like it. See you. All right. See you later.